Hey everybody, welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. And I'm James Cordy. All right, we have a special episode because we are live at Vartech 2023. There it is. Yeah. See, that wasn't manufactured. That's a real live audience we have in here listening to us. There you go. There might be a lot less of them by the time we're done here. We'll see. <laughs> but we do have a no live audience. No fake laugh tracks here. Come on now. That's right. All That's right. right. We're coming to you live from San Antonio, Texas today. Uh, we're chatting about AI. Yes. Because, you know, we, we don't get we enough can't talking, stop about talking about AI. About AI. We're right. constantly talking about it. We had a whole trilogy about it. Yeah, now we just keep going at it. Yeah, and this yeah, was yeah. your idea. You're the one like, let's do this for Vartech this year. Why not? Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about generative AI tools. Not just ChatGPT. I know like it said ChatGPT when you guys are signing up and we thought that initially, but then people were saying, hey, we want to talk about more than just that. So we're going to get into some of the other tools also. We're going to explain some of the differences. We're going to recap some of the stuff we've talked about on the podcast before about how to use it for creative content and marketing, design tools. We're going to get into the other potential use cases of how you might be able to use that kind of software for your business outside of just creating content. Again, we'll compare and contrast some of the other tools that are out there like Bard and Bing Chat, Cloud, some of the others. Uh, and then, you know, we'll you know, wrap it up with uh, see if we have any questions for the audience if we have time and kind of give you guys some takeaways. Maybe hopefully you can find something useful to do with, with generative AI in your business. All right? There you go. There you go. That's a full list right there. I brother. think it is, yeah. We'll see if we can fill this time up pretty good. Uh, it's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right, let's kick this conversation off. Uh, like I said, I wanted to kind of, we've done episodes about ChatGPT before and talking about some of the tools and the resources and the ways you can use it for marketing and content. Mm -hmm. But I want us to recap maybe a little bit of that and just talk about like what are some of the, the top ways that you can use it right now to just create some content, do some marketing stuff for your business, just from very basic stuff that most people probably already think is what you're supposed to use it for. What do you got, Cordy? What, what's some good stuff to use it on? So a big part of my job <clears throat> is running marketing campaigns and customer-focused marketing campaigns for people like you guys in the room. Quick plug, we have services available to you guys in the room if you're ever looking for marketing help. And you know, one of the places that puts me is trying to create messaging for audiences that I don't know well. And an example recently is we were working on uh, an Epson funded campaign for a partner of theirs, uh, their ColorWorks model I wanna say, and we landed on a chemical manufacturing as the target audience mm -hmm. specifically chemical drums but then also uh, like the warning signs that would go on the actual like consumer packages of, of chemicals and so you know we got together and kind of brainstormed on what that message looks like what kind of features and benefits that they needed but what i didn't know when i sat down to actually launch the campaign on linkedin so we're using the linkedin paid ad tool to, to reach people in this industry is I said, who are the actual job titles? Right, right? Which right. is something we run into a lot, right? We're trying to get very precise with our targeting. So I asked ChatGPT, who are the people within chemical manufacturing that deal with labeling from a design, from a you know, safety and regulation standpoint? And it spit out 15 very specific job titles that I then used to input into LinkedIn. But you know, if you all are running stuff on Facebook or Instagram, Similar, and perhaps you already know, you know your, your audience, but that's one way that I use it since I do marketing into a lot of different industries and I don't know them you know, on the level that I would want to. 
Um, so I'll leave it there for now. There are certainly other use cases for GPT, but that's kind of a unique one that I've been using quite a bit lately. Yeah, very smart way to like, if you, if, especially if you're trying to get some insight into a, maybe a industry or a business type that you don't normally sell to, that you're like, hey, I think we have an opportunity to get into a new industry, but what do we know about them? And sure, you can, again, you can Google, yeah, but ChatGPT can kind of elevate a Google up a little bit to get you some more detailed information if you put the right information, the right questions in there. Yep. Dean, you have anything to add on this? I do. So like if you think about it from a category standpoint, well actually let's take a look, let's go up another level. As I, as I was mentioning on the stage, I think one of the most disruptive things for marketing departments has been the LLMs that have been put out there mm -hmm. and trying to figure out, okay, now, now how do we navigate them? How do we use them? It was, it was like an oh shoot moment, right? <laughs> when they first came out because now everybody's using it uh, type of a thing. But when you look at it, you know, obviously it's very hard to navigate. We as a marketing department are already, you know, scratching our heads, okay, how do we use these tools, generative AI and others, uh, to our benefit, right? Because we know they're out there, we know we have to react to them, how are we gonna use them? One of the best ways that you can do that is follow the money. So if you look at who's getting funding and things of that nature, you can start to realize maybe who some of the winners are gonna be and or what the marketplace might start to look at. And so Cordy, you know, let, let's riff on a couple of these. And what I mean by categories is, you know, it, it's already starting to break out within the marketing realm specifically that if you wanted to build out a campaign, you could use generative AI for images, for the text, for the video, for the deep fake video, for the voice, right? We almost did that. So when you, th when you talk about images, there's company like Stability AI, Midjourney that we've shown now for the last two years and Crayon are being the top funded ones in the marketplace today. So if you haven't used any of those tools, riff on Midjourney a little bit, right? Oh yeah. So I'm a huge, huge fan of Midjourney. Show of hands, who's heard of it? Okay, cool. So a decent amount, but enough that it's worth explaining from, from kind of the ground floor. So Midjourney is to imagery what chat GPT is to text, meaning it's I input a prompt, I tell it what I want, and if you've not seen it, it is truly incredible. Mm -hmm. I type in slash imagine is how you start, and then it says prompt, and you type in what you're looking for. And you can type in something like, and again, I'll use a, a real world um, recent example. I was working with one of our value-added resellers slash ISV hybrid partners on a campaign. Uh, they have a medical courier platform, so software meant for medical couriers. If you ever go to Shutterstock or any other stock <laughs> photography website and search for medical courier, you're going to get a lot of terrible looking stock photos. And for any of you out there who have used stock imagery before, that's the case in most industries. You know, restaurants, uh, retail, whatever. They're fine looking professional photos, but they're generic as hell, right? Medical courier is even worse, and there's very few of them. So I typed in, and I'm kind of visualizing in my mind, if I could go and do a photo shoot, what would I want the results to be? So I typed in over the shoulder shot of a medical courier in the middle of a city at sunset. Uh, and then I said, comma, um, epic lighting, which is something I saw people doing, you know, using that descriptive comma aspect ratio 16 by nine, which is just kind of a you know, standard widescreen photo. And it spit out not only a gorgeous image that I you know, would have paid thousands and thousands of dollars to capture on a professional photo shoot, but, and if you've seen some of these AI generated images before, they have a very unique quality to them. Where yep. Dean is actually, screen here, yeah. oh, okay. Dean's yeah. gotten really good at picking them out. You know, when I use them for <laughs> blog articles, he goes, is that AI? And I'm like, yeah, that's AI. But it's not a bad thing. It's like a, almost like this magical quality to them 
where you know I've started to use them for ads a ton. Um, and they, I think that they're really eye-catching. And that's the point of advertising, right? It's like when we're scrolling our feeds on LinkedIn, on Facebook, Instagram, how do we get people to stop and pay attention for a second? I think these images have some of that power. Um, but I guess my real point is creating imagery that you either can't find on stock photo websites or that look really generic and, and kind of boring on stock photo websites, you can go in there and art direct your own photo shoot for $25 a month. So mid-journey is a $300 a year or you can pay whatever, 20, 25 bucks a month um, for like an unlimited plan. So you can be in there every day, typing in, typing in all different kinds of prompts. I'll, I'll step back and I know I'm, I'm saying a lot here, guys, so I apologize. That's why we bring you on here. It's, yeah, thank you, I appreciate that. It's important to know, who's heard of Discord before? Actually, more of you than I've heard of Midjourney. Midjourney <laughs> takes place inside of Discord. Discord was, I'd heard of it, but I'd never really played with it. I'm not into gaming or whatnot. No judgment, I'm just not into gaming. I got into Discord, and then the way that it works is you enter a Midjourney channel where the Midjourney bot lives, and you start talking to the bot. In the beginning, you do this in public. So you're seeing everyone else's images in the feed, if you can imagine. And what's cool is you're also seeing what they asked for. So you're seeing what they typed in to get their results. And some of the results are mind-blowing. Like I've gotten pretty good at this, but even still in the public channels, what people are, are creating is incredible. And you can start to pick up on what they're asking the bot, kind of how they're you know, building their prompts. And then once you get the hang of it, or really immediately, you can create your own mid-journey server where it's just you or your team, and you can invite the mid-journey bot there so you're not you know, having this mess of, of public feed taking place. Um, lost my train of thought a little bit. So happens in Discord, it's very inexpensive. Oh, okay, sorry, I'm, I'm back on track. Once you, uh, or when you rather, create a prompt, what happens is mid-journey spits out a grid of images, four images. So it's from you know, uh, top left to, it goes one, two, three, four. When you get your results, you can choose to key on one of them and get a variations, four more variations of the one you like best, or you can key on one and call uh, what's called upscale it. So take the one you like and like make it a you know, higher resolution to add some detail to it. And every, I would say every month, they're adding more functionality that's available in terms of uh, being able to say, okay, I like this image, but like I want to see what would be to the right. If I, and it then will generate more image to the right or above or below. I'll take a pause there. But again, <laughs> where I find it useful, where our team finds it useful is when we need something impactful, interesting, visually interesting that we don't have access to. We can't go shoot ourselves right. or it looks really bad in, you know, in Shutterstock. We go and create it in mid-journey. We get something. I mean, you see these images. Pretty freaking magical yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, before we go a little bit too farther down there, you know, again, I'm going to go back to the money. Real quick, LLM developers have raised nearly $12 billion in equity funding so far this year alone. That's 12 times as much as they did last year across 12 different deals. So, you know, that part of the market or the AI ecosystem is exploding uh, fairly uniquely. And when you think about how we have been using it, and I think everybody's been using it, right? 100 million users within the first couple months. You use it for a research tool and to start off. You know, like if you're developing, we do, if we're developing stories or if we're developing presentations or whatnot, we will use it initially to, to develop that, that initial, you know, uh, whatever, structure of the presentation or things of that nature. Very early on, we determined, as I'm sure you have, they make stuff up. 
So <laughs> you got to kind of make sure that whatever it's presenting back to you is actually reality, right? right? You can't copy paste. You can't copy paste, uh, but but it's a good starting spot. It's it, it's good at kind of fr you know straight framing out, if you will, arguments and stuff like that. So for me, you know, existing marketers can kind of up their game just by utilizing the tool in that parameter, right? LLMs. I'll, I'll yeah. say basically what you said in in, in my words, which is. You can go into ChatGPT and say, write me a 1500 word blog about whatever, mm -hmm. and it will spit it out. Mm -hmm. And it's not bad, not bad at all. The way that I think it works really well is if I say, okay, what's the story I wanna tell? Mm -hmm. What's the name of the article? What's kind of my thesis? What are my supporting points? I outline it, and then I go kind of line by line. Okay, write me an introduction that gets to this point. And even still, I'll take, 40% of that, right, and kind of rewrite it. But if you guide it at every step as to exactly what you want to say, you have in mind the story instead of just saying, hey, GPT, just spit something out yeah, for right, me. Right. It can be really, really useful. And man, I mean, I know content teams who are sharing on LinkedIn, man, they're tripling their output or those that aren't looking to increase output, they just want to increase speed. You know, they're speeding up their, their time to, to publish two and three times. So really pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh, well, I came ahead. with some stats. No, you first, and then I'll hit them. No, I'll say like like any like any new tech. You know, we all heard as soon as this stuff started coming out, everyone immediately was like, "Oh, hey, marketing departments are just going to go away. We're not going to need content creators." Who anymore. needs a writer? We're not going to need writers anymore. Yeah. And as a guy who you know, my I think my best skill set is actually my writing when I'm not podcasting or singing on a stage somewhere. Uh, you know, writing has always been my thing. So I I admit at first I'm like, is this going to be a bad thing for me? Uh, but you know, overall, I, you, know, you learn very quickly, like, no, like a lot of new technologies that we always claim are going to replace somebody entirely, you find out like, no, it's not quite that good. It can't, nothing can write in my voice. Nothing can write in That's right. your voice. That's nothing right. can write in your, your particular market or your, your company's brand voice. voice. Right. Yeah, and granted, exactly. I know that they're, you know, these AIs are going to start progressively getting smarter and better at building off of your brand. And you might be able to have like personalized ones that can build from your oh, brand. Oh, you can. But at mm -hmm. the end of the day, you still do need to have a little bit of that human touch. So for me... Kind of like what James was just saying is that I incorporated into my my workflow of like, all right, I got to write an ebook. I need to get some some great bullet points about why a medical courier company would need to improve their courier management and get some points out of that. Fact check them if I need to, you know. Yeah. And you can ask for citations to, as well, you know. If it's if you're if you're wanting like statistics, you can ask ChatGPT or whatever you're using, like, hey, I need the citations to go along with this. It'll give you some links. It'll tell you where I got the info from as well. But again, you gotta, you know, you do have to fact check it. You have to look back on it. Oh, for sure. But then I'll take that and I'll I'll mush that and turn that into the way I like to produce information, the way I like the way we like to create our eBooks and our content. So. Yeah, we, at this point, I think we all understand. Like, yeah, we're not. No one's getting replaced because of this necessarily, but it is a great way to augment the work that you're doing, speed things up a little bit, improve your output. What were you to add as far as like stats? Oh, there? so I've got some cool stats, but I want to riff on what you just mentioned, which is there's there's a term that I've heard used or getting thrown around a bit called seasoning the AI. Mm. So like seasoning again, a pan, like, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, like a yeah. cast iron skillet. Yeah, that's exactly right. So again, for those of you who haven't used ChatGPT, each new chat or every time you open up the website and start to use it or use it on your phone um it's a new kind of whatever it's a new chat and there's several of them they can they save kind of on the sidebar instead of just going in and immediately asking whatever it is that you're after especially if you're creating content what you can do is you first inform the ai i mean you literally just say you know hey i need you to know this and keep this in mind um, and then you ask your question. So you kind of you kind of get it in its right yeah. mindset. You give it context before you ask your question. Uh, one of the ways, again, I 
great ideas are for stealing, right? And I stole this one from someone on LinkedIn, which is pretend you are X and you're trying to do Y. This is one of the ways you can prompt it. So pretending you're an IT solution salesperson, some of you all are, what would you wanna know from a VP of retail operations about their day-to-day -day challenges to help better position your solutions? So like, help me understand these people in their day-to-day -day a little bit better. Pretend that you're an IT reseller. Tell me what you, know, what you would wanna know. These are the kinds of questions that you can ask to kind of inform a content strategy. So I know probably some of you are active on LinkedIn and things like that in terms of sharing, either from your personal accounts, but also from your business accounts. And a lot of times, I know both of you guys have heard this many times too, what I'll hear people say is, we would love to be active on LinkedIn. I just, I don't know what to post. ChatGPT can help. Yep. Ask it to tell you, hey, what would people who look like my customers wanna know? What would be helpful to them? And that's what you should be posting. So quick, um, I came with some stats. I never come with any stats. So like- <laughs> You did your homework. Days before, I just kind of serendipitously, but I'll, I'll pretend like I did my homework. Um, there's a company called SparkToro. They have nothing to do with generative AI. I had to make sure that was true because right, most right. SaaS companies have generative AI now. Right. Um, SparkToro is an audience research tool. And if you use your Gmail account, you can log in and you get like 10 searches per, per month. Where you, it's, it's an open box and it says, my audience frequently talks about, and you fill it in. And when you fill it in, it will tell you podcasts they listen to, Twitter or X uh, profiles that they follow. Websites they websites visit. Websites they yep. visit, and like a percentage. So I would type in like, my audience talks about barcode labeling solutions. They follow Gartner, they follow TechCrunch. They listen to, it's really cool to kind of find out where your audience is. The reason I bring it up is they published this study I'm about to reference. Um, they only analyzed 7,000 prompts, so it wasn't a, a, you know, a super broad study. But what they found, and Dean, you're the one that made me think of this, just under 30%, 29% of those 7,000 GPT prompts were programming related. Mm -hmm. So helping it, or helping coders to code. Well, I was gonna go there on the coding side, but go ahead. And yeah, I don't know yeah. too much about it, so you'll have to go deeper, but like, this is a super, it's the actual most common use case is people are using GPT to code. And I know that there's been a lot of concern around privacy mm -hmm. as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I don't wanna give it our code, you know, right, Samsung right. got in trouble or right, whatever. Right. They just came out with an enterprise GPT, which is like yours. Yeah, It's kind of sequestered from the world and you can feel good about sharing data with it. Uh, but I'll just quickly say 23% were classified as um, interest pursuits slash education, so just general learning. 21% were content related, which is you know what I think marketers are using it for a lot, small businesses. 13 and a half sales and marketing, and then whatever, 10% personal and politics. So I just thought it was cool to kind of get some insight into how the, what are people doing well, with this? So thing? I was gonna dig a little deeper with you on the coding side. Have you, cause I don't know how to code, but you know a little bit, right? Only Back HTML, in the day. I don't need GPT's help <laughs> oh, with that. Okay. Right. So, well, how about your peeps? Do you know anybody that's using it for coding? Not personally, okay. no. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but yeah. But, but you're right, so 30% of folks are using it, right? Or that's the 30% of the usage is around that. Yeah, well, I, I know for a fact that it can be used for debugging. So you throw in whatever, mm -hmm. PHP, JavaScript, whatever, and it will find issues yeah, yeah. And, and optimize and all that good stuff. Yeah. I would be surprised if no one in the room, you know, would, would have some benefit from using it that way. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cordy, was there anything else you wanted to add on like the design image side? You, know, you wrote a great article on Blue Star Nation about, you know, simple, easy ways to create ads. And, and you kind of mentioned some of that. Is there anything else you want to add there? I know you've been even since the last time we talked about this on the podcast and last Vartech when you, we actually showed some AI imagery from Midjourney. Yeah. But I know it's obviously like all the AI tools, it's been changing constantly. 
It's being constantly updating. What's new? What's going on there? What's different? Like, how are you, what are you getting out of it right now? So glad you asked, John. I do have some more <laughs> I'd like to add. So um, a couple of things. So the stuff you're seeing on the screen here, I used kind of a combination of ChatGPT and MidJourney. I gave it, you know, I gave it some context and I said, these are all, you know, well, especially the take the headaches out of e-commerce mm -hmm. returns. I told ChatGPT, hey, I have an e-commerce company who deals with kind of reverse logistics and return management. What are some cool names for that company? And Recoup Tech, I know it's a little bit generic, but that's what we came hey. up with. I designed the logo. Sounds legit. Yeah, but then I asked it, like, come up with a headline for an ad. It didn't get me all of the way there. But I almost think about it a little bit as like an advanced thesaurus. Where it uses words that I wouldn't have used. And it made, ooh, now I got one. Or, you know, whatever. The word headache got thrown out there. And then I would kind of work from that. Um, which is cool. So I was using both of those tools. And again, John mentioned it. We have a website called Blue Star Nation. It's nation.bluestarinc.com. We've got like a really deep dive on MidJourney from like signing up for an account to like finished ad. So if you're interested in it, it's a, humbly, it's a pretty damn good article. You should check it out. But on the MidJourney side, what you saw yesterday during Dean's presentation I don't know, Dean, what do you say? 80% of oh, the yeah. imagery yeah, yeah, yeah. was AI generated. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yep. Um, and you can, again, you maybe even got a sense for that. Like, what is it with these images? They got this in interesting quality. Yeah. So because I kind of went deep and I, I was helping Dean out with some of those images, I recently learned about what's called in-painting. And it's important. Um, I'll give another concrete example. Dean had asked for an image of a monster truck plugged into an EV charger. I prompted this thing legitimately 30 different ways. And I just kept getting a car that looked like a Tesla. I'm like, where's the freaking monster truck? Like, <laughs> what do I have to type in to get a monster truck? And then I kind of quickly mentioned earlier that when you get your image and you upscale it and you're down to one image, you can start hitting arrows to say, build me more image to the left or to the right or above, above or below. Well, on the uh, image of the, basically the uh, clear, fake Tesla, I went a little bit to the left and I saw like the front end of a monster truck. And I was like, oh, there's my monster truck and I kept going and kept going, but then I had a Tesla and a monster truck and it still wasn't what we wanted. I don't remember exactly how I stumbled upon it. Um, I probably Google searched or YouTube searched, whatever it was, the problem I was running into was just like, why isn't it giving me this, this subject I want? And I learned about a concept called in-painting. And what it is, uh, we'll use the example I was just talking about. So you want a monster truck plugged into an EV charger. You're getting the EV charger, you're getting the setting, but the main subject was wrong. So basically what the, ability is, is to take an image you generated in, in mid-journey and then you take a lasso tool and you circle an aspect of it and say, monster truck. And it will replace the image you selected with the object or, or whatever that you, you ask for. So another situation might be, you know, we did the image of Alaska. Mm -hmm. so There's a giant, you know, valley in the wilderness of Alaska. And I circled the right and said, I want a river over here. And it pops a river in. So now where I've gotten to is I will just create the environment that I want. So I was trying to put a kiosk in the middle of a restaurant, but I wanted it in a very particular spot. So I just asked for a wide angle shot. Again, being as specific as you possibly can in the prompting and what you're asking for is an art. And it's something you can learn from what other people are doing in public and you know, reading on LinkedIn and stuff. But anyhow, I asked for an open space, wide angle, quick service restaurant, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it just had a bunch of space. And then I circled and said self-service kiosk. Boom, there it was. Seems obvious when I explain it, but I was really struggling with this thing until I learned it. So it's called in-painting. If you search it on YouTube, you'll see you know, a walkthrough. So you can combine the article we wrote to get signed up and start using the thing, and then uh, you can get advanced really quick. You can learn from, learn from my struggles. There you go. <laughs>
All right, anything else to add on like the marketing design side before we move on to other business use cases? Do you need anything else? Headline well, generation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like yeah, I said, yeah. we were just starting to dabble into some of the other things, but but it's kind of freaky because Cordy also, in the lead up to, to Vartech's like, hey, I think I can use AI to generate your voice. Do you want me to have your voice introduce you on stage? I'm like, bro, no, what are we doing here? So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can do you can do stuff like that, though, and it's right? not hard to do. It's fast, it's easy, it was, it's cheap. It was yeah. really fast, and he's it's playing so it back to me. He's like, no, dude, I already did. I'm like, no, we're not, you know. Now, I've got it on my desktop. But the point of the matter <laughs> is, is that, you know, I don't, you know, we're obviously the age is coming where you don't really have to be maybe masters of it, but if you have people on your team that can do that, pretty much the sky is the limit right now. And I know that can be very, that can serve a certain amount of anxiety, right? Because it's already hard enough to do marketing and, and things of that nature. But for us, I feel like where we're going to be at is we're just, we're honing in on certain tool sets that we would utilize and we're getting to be masters of those and utilizing those in our day to day, right? If there's, a thousand different AI, which there probably are, that can do all these things that we're rattling off here, text to image, voice, voiceover, video, uh, creating video, fo photo and video editing tools, et cetera, et cetera. It really comes down to just, you know, picking the ones that we've mentioned uh, here, obviously. A couple of the other ones, because again, I, I will go back to the money. Uh, that that you know you would see you out there. Do you have usually fond of that? I know I don't have pagers. <laughs> uh, but you ever heard of Uizard or Izard? According, uh -uh. okay, so that's a design tool that you can convert your freehand sketches. This is like huh. right up my alley because I'm not a designer. But I can like sketch out what I'm looking yeah. for, right? So you think and, a stick know, figure it'll turn into something much on, more majestic? Man, I'm better than a stick figure, <laughs> maybe not. But anyway, uh, you know that's the type of tool that can do that. Poly uh, is another one, a niche design application. So there's applications out there that can help you either from freeform or whatnot uh, to convert that. Um, I think in the show notes, what we'll do is we'll put this article that I keep referring to from CB Insight. CB Insight, if you don't know, they're an organization that kind of that's their gig. They follow the money. Where is the money going? Who's investing in what? Where is the VC going? And stuff like that. And those, you know, they're good early indicators on who might be the right company, uh, or at least if you're going to start hitching your wagon and putting the $300 down a, a year to, to utilize the tool, utilize one that's probably got some good backing to it. Right? Yeah. So. Just a quick shout out. The voice, um, <clears throat> the voice AI is called 11 Labs. And for the first month, it's a dollar. So it's it's a dollar you do a and then it's, damage in one month, right? And I just want to go and play, and I'm like, "Fuck yeah, I got a dollar on it." Like, let's let's go use, in use case though, right? I mean, so use case there might be. Look, we all know that you'll pause on something that you hear in like a LinkedIn feed, or certainly video as well, right? Mm -hmm. So if you take a little bit of your text, you've got your voice in there. You don't have to sit there and record it. You, you, you have to do your voice a couple times. It'll train on your voice, and now you got your voice. But now you can start uploading content that's got an audio element to it, right? Yep. Yep. So yep, there you, you go. Certainly could. Great. So now I'm getting replaced as a podcast host too, huh? Oh well, that was that was already <laughs> foregone conclusion. From here on out, it won't be me. <laughs> That's right. All right. Uh, okay. So I think that kind of we've you know settled on a lot of the stuff on the marketing design side of things. I'm sure there's plenty of you in here that are like, yeah, but I'm not really marketing. I'm sales. I want to know other interesting ways I can use this technology to help out me and my business and what I do today to day. So we do have some tips for you there. Um, I'll be honest, because I wasn't quite sure exactly all the different ways you could do this. I went and asked. I Wild asked ChatGPT, yeah. and I asked Bard and said, hey, give us some, give me some non-marketing use cases for generative AI to help out a business. 
Um, th these are some of the ones I came up with here. I'm going to kind of rattle through these real quick, and maybe we'll hone in on a few of these and talk about what we think some, you know, some potential is here. So customer support and service. Kind of makes sense a little bit with that one. I mean, you know, we've, we've seen chatbots. I mean, you know, they've been out and about for a while, you know, and now they're just, now they're just more intelligent than ever. Internal knowledge base and FAQs, personalized product recommendations, market research and insights, employee training and onboarding, data analysis and reporting, appointment scheduling, virtual assistance, new product ideas, task automation. It's a lot of stuff there. All of them are very useful use cases. Uh, what do you guys like? What stood out well, to you guys from here? What, anything I'm, you want to add? Yeah, I want to kick off with the, with the very first one because I think this one's really interesting in the sense that you know customer support and service. So you think about you you know training uh, chat uh, bots and things of that nature on your company so that you can now use it as a as a customer service. There's a lot of anxiety around that, right? Like Walmart barred any of their employees from using ChatGPT, trained ChatGPT on Walmart. Why? Because they didn't want that to have all the business secrets that Walmart has behind the house. So there's there's a very real you know concern there. But you're already seeing in the marketplace uh, companies like Databrick that will allow your what's the one that you just named where you can segment out your LLM? That's just the enterprise, it's an enterprise version. Enterprise, of ChatGPT, it's right? an enterprise version. But you're going to start mm -hmm. seeing that pop up, right? Whereas, okay, now you have a special instance of the LLM and you could train it on your business. Now you can, you know, well, they're believe it or not, you know, there's the, one the, called the, the Jasper. That's, Jasper. That's I was going to bring up now. Jasper mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Now you can train it on your company specifically and now integrate it into a chat environment or a service environment. And it's specific to you. And it can keep learning from everything that people ask. It can keep learning from what your employees put in it, et cetera, et cetera. So it'll just keep compounding itself and really turn into a very nice tool that if your customers now come to your website, they're getting more accurate uh, information. Look, we started with chat GP, or ch I'm sorry, uh, chatbots five, six years ago, Cordy, were yep. we getting into that? And the AI was really us behind the scenes writing <laughs> out the script of yeah. what a typical answer yes. would be. A lot of scripting and, too. Yeah. And so, you know, as good as I guess we were at guessing what people's <laughs> questions were gonna be, we're no AI. Yeah, calling it AI was definitely a stretch. Yeah, <laughs> definitely a stretch. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> now, in, even though we don't have it deployed today, th this is really more of a generational type of, of AI. So anyway, I wanted to key in on that one real quick. Yeah, I'll take, um, data analysis and reporting. Mm -hmm. So I was listening to a podcast the other day and I was just before we left and I was busy and shouldn't have been worrying about this, but I was asking John for some of the podcast data because the use case I heard, and there are probably infinite ways that you guys could, could use this, but what these guys were explaining, it was the uh, CMO at HubSpot and then the CMO at uh, Zapier that have a, like a podcast they co-host, which is pretty cool if you're into marketing. Mm -hmm. I just started listening to it. They compared their YouTube podcast stats and their like RSS stats, so like their Podbean mm -hmm. or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Took two files that were formatted differently, two spreadsheets, and just dropped them into I guess this enterprise version of ChatGPT, and it really quickly, without like any context, summarized what was in those documents, and then was able to kind of normalize the data and compare it to itself to figure out if there was any commonalities between the podcasts that performed well on YouTube versus, you know, which would have included video versus those that were audio only. Unfortunately, there like wasn't much correlation for them, which they were hoping to find, but I thought that was cool. But like any kind of big data sets, if you can export your Google analytics or something and just throw it in there, um, 
Unless that makes you nervous, in that case, don't do that. But if it doesn't, throw it in there. <laughs> and then start asking good questions. Are there any notable trends that are that are worth calling out in terms of times of the year or times of the day or whatnot? Yeah, and yeah. you know, stuff that you would have to know where to go looking for in a tool like Google Analytics. Let the freaking robots. Well, even just the kind of stuff like you know, what date did we suddenly start selling more of this particular product? And then if you're able to on the back end correlate, like what happened at that time? Oh, there was a there was a sale. Oh, it was featured on a podcast. Oh, there was a a big show that occurred, and yeah. they you know were promoting that particular device and showed it on stage. It can help you make those kind of correlations where you. I mean, granted, you know, if if you do the work yourself, you could figure that stuff out. But again, why not use a tool in the background that can do a lot of that hard work of that analysis for you? And then use your own team internally to kind of connect all the dots and yeah. figure out what you need to do with to that do something about it, right? But yeah, if it can analyze it like almost instantaneously, it's, it's just crazy the time it can save us on yeah, the front. for sure. I'm going to key on another one: employee training and onboarding. Yep. This is an ongoing issue I know with a lot of folks in the room. Blue Star has been trying to develop programs wow. around training, just because a lot of partners come to us and say, "Oh my gosh, you know, the onboarding of a new sales rep or the onboarding of a new account mm -hmm. manager." is time consuming, right? Isn't there any way that, you know, you as a distributor or this ecosystem can create a better world? I think the answer is gonna be yes through some of these AI tool sets, and here's how. To, to Cordy's point, what, what, we're, what we're gonna try to develop with our Blue Star University is kind of an aggregation, right? Where we pull in information from Zebra, Honeywell, Elo, you name it, uh, Advantech, formalize that, put, make that the data source that is training this, and then extract, extract out of that courseware and materials that you could then use to quickly onboard customers, all right? So you would log on to Blue Star University, and let's say you had a new rep, but you specialize in Advantech, or you specialize on Zebra products, uh, where you could curate now some courseware off of that. To me, that's where I think that some of this stuff, uh, you know, in the future, hopefully in the nearer future, we'll be able to aggregate in a solution that we'd be able to do for you. But think about that power and how you could then leverage those types of tools for your customers as well, right? The training materials that come as a part of the products that you're installing so that your end users now have uh, kind of this reservoir uh, where they can go to and tap into that type of information for their employees to train on. Um, these are the types of things that we need to be really sensitive to because training, the, the big umbrella uh, you know, term, takes a lot of our time collectively, whether you're training your end users or we're helping vendors train you and your staff. Uh, I think that we're going to see some wins here, and I'm pretty excited about that particular one. Yeah, I was just going to add on to that because I, I, I love that one too, and I think that's also very deeply connected with the internal knowledge base and FAQs. Yeah, right. Where, again, you can build a database within your own company. And this, again, would probably be more of like the, the enterprise type version mm -hmm. of something like this, where you can build a knowledge base. Because we, we know how it is. Like when you've you got people working for you, and there's some people that just know a ridiculous amount. There's some people that don't know quite as much. There's new employees. There's people that are segmented off into different parts of your company that are experts in that. If someone happens to leave, I mean, you know, if, if they're yep. not, you think know, of all that knowledge. Yeah, if right. you think about like, you know, I mean, I know I'm a conscientious person. When I leave a company, I usually, you know, craft out a message of, here's everything you need to know about my job for the next person. <laughs> not a lot of people do that. I'm gonna be honest. Right. I know right, I'm right, just, right. I'm the weirdo that way. But it's it would be nice to have something like that or have something where when people learn something new and a new way to sell or a new way to approach a product or something new about an industry that not everybody knows yet, and maybe it's not relevant to everybody just yet, 
at least have a place where they could dump that knowledge so that the next person comes along and they have a question about that, they can go and type in, hey, I'm really curious to know um, how are pharmacies using new barcoding technology? Mm -hmm. And you might already have an, a, a built-in database and a knowledge base that's been created from other employees over time and what they've learned that that person could tap into. Again, great for, for new folks when they're in the onboarding stage or even for the folks that have been around forever. I mean, we all know you shift around accounts, you, you suddenly move from working with just supply chain, supply chain and now you're working with medical all of a sudden. You're like, oh, I don't know anything about healthcare. I have no idea where to start. That could be a, a great place to point someone and say, hey, there's a knowledge base you can go to and learn everything you need to know about healthcare really quickly. And so again, three of them, yep, three companies that are follow the money. Here are the ones that are getting kind of in this uh, uh, employee, uh, if you will, education area. Smart test, that aggregates uh, content, creates uh, quiz questions for you. QuestGen mm -hmm. uh, is another one that's gotten some uh, good good backing. Uh, and then explain paper, I guess, is, is another one that, uh, that, is, that is useful out there. So, you know, that one's out there as well, too. Anybody, or you, had a, you had another Finish take? Finish your thought. I just had a, yeah, something to No, ask. I was going to go around the room or just ask if anybody's using any of these categories yet that, that they would comment on. No? Not just yet. A lot of, lot of potential there. Yes, Scott? We use uh, things like fireflies. Fireflies, yeah. Summarizes yep. meetings, right? Amazing job of like yeah, scribing yeah. it, right? Yes, yeah, that's right. So we had a we had a, just for those that are listening, we had a, a one of our audience members mention fireflies, and yes, like Mark Fraker uses yep. it, uh, and it's you can it, you use it while you have a, a conference call or whatnot, and at the end of the call, it generates everything that you just did. Again, your action items. It's pretty awesome, uh, you know. And it's just a nice, it's like a virtual assistant, which is another one of these areas mm -hmm. that I think AI is really starting to become ahead, uh, pretty powerful. Go ahead. Um, Scott, you made me think of something I'm going to ask as well. But is anyone in the room using HubSpot for like CRM or email and stuff? So we use HubSpot at Blue Star. We have the, the fancy version. <laughs> I feel like it is like a minute away from combining its yeah, knowledge base tool that. and its chatbot tool. Yep, right. yep. So that your knowledge base will be like a chat GPT interface. Yep. You could just go and ask any question. Who's the head of marketing? Boom, there's the answer. Right. That's going to be really powerful. And tie in the analytics. Like, you know, mm -hmm. uh, what, what is their buying trend been? You know, yeah, or, or, how many they, emails have they been clicking on? Yeah, yeah, what's, yeah. yeah. But then also for a knowledge base purpose, what are the top questions? So that when you come in there, it's like, here's what everybody mm -hmm. wants to know. Mm -hmm. It's going to get really cool. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to Firefly, has anyone heard of Gong? Because it's an AI Gong. sales tool. Yeah, yeah, a couple people. Yeah. So it's similar to Fireflies, but it's meant for salespeople. So the way it would work, you know, when we're on a call with someone from a SaaS company trying to sell us HubSpot or whatnot, they invite Gong to the meeting, it records everything, and then it gives them an, uh, analytics on who spoke, what percent. So if the call is an hour long, you know, did the customer speak more? Did the salesperson speak more? And there are benchmarks, you know, from company to company around what's optimal. Right. Uh, I don't think it's a cheap tool and I will be surprised <laughs> if they're alone in their category, right? So there's probably a lot of tools out there that, but it's neat. Like I'm just aware of it because I've been on, so to speak, the receiving end, meaning mm -hmm. I'm the customer, mm -hmm. you know, and someone's using Gong and you can just, the salespeople that I've dealt with that are using it, they're just really good. And I, I can't help but think that that's a part of it. Scott, you had to come in. Does ah, it? There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fireflies okay, does the same go. thing as going. Yeah. Do you have an idea of what it costs per month or annually? 15 oh, bucks wow. a month for Fireflies. Ooh, Gong is go. not nearly that cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah question. Yeah, there you go. 
Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Good movie. You. Use it to to uh, summarize and spit out the. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say the same text. thing. If you get a big data report, you know, an industry data report that's 80 pages long, and you're interested in the key pieces, but you don't have you know two hours to read it, copy and paste. I know there's a limit in GPT if you're not on like an enterprise in terms of the amount. But some of, of the others don't have that limit. We'll get to that later too. So. Comment or question over here. Yeah. So the question is about the copyright issues potentially with uh, images. And image rights, you know, mentioning obviously in Germany, I know in the EU, you know, they're, they're much more tight about that than we are here. Yeah. Where are we with that? Because I know like Getty Images like sued some of these at some point or whatever about mm-hmm. the images that were being used yeah. to create other images. Yeah. I'll be yeah. honest, I have no idea. Yeah. No, I'm not <laughs> I think it's still Wild West, unfortunately. But I think it's fair. It's right? worth looking I think into it's fair, it. and all those companies are reacting to the fact because, like we said in the podcast before, None of this is going to figure itself out until the lawyers get involved, yep. right? And they're going to figure it out for us. You know, who can use what, who can train off of what, uh, and I, it's it's already being ratcheted in and brought in, which is why I think that, you know, where I'm landing is we have to become knowledgeable about how to use the tools ourselves and train it on our own intellectual property, right? Uh, a lot of that the companies generate is already text oriented. You know, you've got websites, you've got pamphlets, you've got CRMs, hopefully. So you've got a lot of data, but um, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see how the lawyers sort it all out. But yeah, we were running into the same issues here as well. Yeah. Well, that's what right. Not only to your point uh, is that is that a capability or an issue. And we brought this up again on the on the podcast. There was a lawyer out there that used GP to, to, to try to build a case for a particular a lawsuit that they were involved you in. Get like reference cases. Reference yeah. cases. Yeah. ChatGPT spit out some information. The lawyer asked ChatGPT, "Are you sure? You know that these are valid cases?" Um, and ChatGPT said yes, and cited you know what it's you know put legal down precedent, the, right? legal yeah. precedent and citations submitted it to the to for you know to the judge as a part of it the judge took a look at it every single one that was in there i believe just about every single case that it referenced was completely made up so that's what i'm law saying. And order or something yeah. even though <laughs> then the lawyer went back to he he was like he was getting i think he was going to get debarred in, in I, the probably yeah. he went back to the judge and said but judge you know the, the dog ate my homework right. but judge i asked chat gpt <laughs> if it was sure it was right and it said it was right you know, kind of a thing. And it's like, well, you know, so, so again, you have to know that, which is why, you know, early on we were like, okay, clearly you can use the tool in a certain way, but it's, it's not fact. Yeah. I wouldn't trust anything to put your business in jeopardy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, sometimes I'm saying make that up too. Yeah. 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 Thomas, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know, logos. but I'll tell you this: um, text type, it's nonsense. Like any, t- even if there's like a sign, like I mentioned earlier, I did like a restaurant rendering, and like the menus, it's there's like not uh, not real letters and stuff. So I have played around with logos, and I'll say that it can just kind of give you like conceptual ideas, you know, shapes and colors and stuff. But um, so I would. I would feel comfortable saying that if I were looking for logo inspiration there, and then I kind of recreated that artwork in like an illustrator and like laid my own type and everything, I would feel pretty good that I could copyright that then. But yeah, one day we'll probably get to a point where it could spit you out something with like your actual business name in legible English or French or Spanish or whatever, but not there today. It really struggles with text right now. Hey, Corey, let's go down a little bit of the angle of the um, 
prompt engineering. Maybe we could do a sidebar there because yeah. that was one of the questions we we're going to talk about. Yeah. And one of the questions that one of you folks yeah, said, hey, asked, like, touch hey, can on we this talk about this a little bit? Yeah. Um, talk a little bit. Well, go ahead. No, that's, someone asked you yeah, if we could talk a little about how it helps automate tasks. I will say before you do your part here, I, again, I asked the AI to answer to me, hey, in layman's terms, how do you define prompt engineering? And it said, uh, prompt engineering is like giving instructions to a robot. If you want the robot to do something specific, you need to give it clear and concise instructions. The same is true for AI models. If you want them to generate text, translate languages, or write different kinds of creative content, you need to give them specific prompts that are relevant and specific. So specificity, clarity, creativity, that seemed to be the... Now, before you answer, there. Cordy, I'm going to step in here real quick because I do think that like advertising agencies and whatnot, prompt engineer is a whole new title category. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is like, you know, and, and it's probably there. designers, right? That are like, okay, now instead of visualizing it here in this tool, Photoshop, Illustrator, and design, whatever, I need to be able to put it into text what I need to, but go mm -hmm. ahead. I'll be honest, when I when I walked into this room earlier today, I thought I knew what that meant. And I just <laughs> thought it meant like what you just said, basically just being very descriptive and specific about what you're looking for. And I think that that's true, but I think that it's really like a level or two deeper. There's I think some technicality to it. Yes, like guess. it's almost like a programming approach yes, or whatnot. Right. But I'll, I'll just say that on the image generation side, I see people um, evoking like different... Um, 3D like models and stuff like mm. they'll say hey I want an image that looks like this and blah 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 and use you know Maya 3D or whatnot or like it's talking about these engines image right, engines right. so they're they're I think probably getting a little bit closer to that layer so unfortunately I'm I'm not a coder I'm not a developer but I do believe that no that's but you're a really good too. prompt engineer I'm getting pretty, I'm <laughs> at getting the, pretty at specific higher level right yeah. yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and well, I think that's where too you need somebody who uh, who does understand your business, understands your customers. It can't just be you can't just bring someone off the street who says, "Oh, I understand how to use ChatGPT or Midjourney. I know how I can just type something in and have it spit something out." If they don't understand your business, if they don't understand your customers and their needs and speak the same language, right. you're not going to create something that's going to speak to customers because it's going to it's going to be generic. It's very easy to create generic content. Anybody 100%. can do that. Anybody can fire any of these up and create ge generic content. But if you, you have to actually know what you're talking about to create content that's going to be meaningful, that when you put it out there, people are going to stop and pay attention to it. Otherwise, it's just going to look like the same thing as 60 other companies would put out there. Agreed. But I do wonder, and I haven't tried this yet, but we kind of had the marketing and insights earlier on the screen. And I had mentioned before that I'm using it that way mm -hmm. to understand audiences at like a way deeper level. Mm -hmm. Like generally, I know like I'm trying to target operations and IT, but if I really want to get to the job title level, yeah, right. I can yep, get that kind right. of info. Yep. I wonder... If you were to say, and I'm trying to think, IT is certainly one of them, but industries that kind of have their own language, you know, that if I wrote copy for, you know, a kitchen staff, they'd be like, this dude never worked in a kitchen. I right. did wash dishes when I was a kid, but right. anyway. Do you know what? I wonder if you could use it like that. Hey, what's some of the, like... The lingo. I yes, guess like the, the coded language stuff. that gets yeah. used in this industry. Again, a lot of you in this room probably know your industries really well and maybe even come from them, but I would be interesting, interested to know if, if it could be helpful. Along yeah, those right. Lines. Yeah. We got another question or so. Yeah, go ahead. I, I mean, I'll say, I think that goes back to kind of what I was just saying, which is everybody, we've, we've created tools that anybody can use, whether you feel like you are a marketing person, whether you think you are a writer, whether you think you're a designer, a tool that anybody can use and get something out of, but just, it's, a, it's the old adage of just because you can't do something doesn't mean you should do it. It doesn't mean you're good at it either. So I think, yes, to your point, I think there's going to be people who will just use this at the most basic, simplistic level. And you'll start seeing that as more and more people are doing this stuff. You're going to start spotting content. You know, you know, we talk about how yeah, you can kind of spot the the crafted AI stuff. 
there's going to get to a point where you're going to you're going to see it very quickly. You're going to every time you see a certain email, you're going to know that email is generated by AI. That image was generated by AI. That commercial was created by AI. It's going to start At leading least for now. Yeah, yeah. Well, for now, but I'm saying it's going to look kind of ugly because the people that don't know what they're doing with it and don't have the right engineering and prompt behind it and don't have people that actually understand how to ask the right questions, say the right things, give the right little nuanced piece of information. It's, it's going to look generic. And that's what I think we all hopefully want to avoid is I want to use this, but I want to be, you know, I, I, and you want, I know you want to be on top of it and get to it as fast as you can and get it out there as fast as you can. But you, you, get, you still have to avoid that, pat, that pratfall, that pitfall rather, of looking generic like what everyone yeah. else is doing right now. I know you were probably going to add something. Yeah, I'll, I'll just suggest I felt for a long time, and I agree with you, I think even before generative AI, content's just become kind of a wasteland of mediocrity. It really has. But we've, you know, for years we've been asked by smaller businesses, like, hey, I don't have a marketing person. What are free tools, easy ways? And these are those, right? right. But I, I feel like even prior to this, yes, we were overwhelmed by stuff that really wasn't worthy of eyeballs. Um, and it's just going to definitely build on top of that. But I do still believe, and I'll be honest, and I don't use it so much on the copy side. I use it more to research things I don't know enough about so that I can write the copy. I love the image side of it. Uh, I still believe, and I said this earlier, but I'll kind of rephrase it. If you have the original thought and you know what point you want to make, and it's a unique thought, right? It's, it is something. It's a different take than what everyone else is saying. I do think that these tools can be helpful. Not to write the whole thing, but to, you know, and I'll give another dumb example that might not be relevant to you guys. How does RFID get used in hospitals was a question I asked. And it laid out, I knew I was aware of some of them, it laid out some. And then I said, tell me more about that one. Do you know what I mean? So it got me to a pretty knowledgeable spot on something that I can then go and ask questions, right? So if I were doing it, instead of going, oh, look, GPT gave me a bunch of detailed info. Copy I paste. Would, yeah. <laughs> right, I would then go and talk to some of you all or some of our vendor partners who are true experts and get quotes, right? And go and create, you know, original graphics and things like that. You know. I probably drive Dean crazy sometimes, um, but I believe that top 2% content is the only stuff that's worth making, right? I would rather make yeah. two pieces of content a year and have it just be, you know, the best stuff we can produce than two a week and have it be stuff that is just going to waste your guys' time. You know what I mean? It should be. Answer. <laughs> yeah, but there are others, but it, it is a conversation happening in marketing. Well, I think everybody's going to get there because I think, yeah. that, you know, what we're describing here, everybody understands already. You're consuming it. Who here is yep. in a fantasy football league, right? When you get the summaries of that, that's all AI generated, right? I mean, there's no your favorite example. There. Yeah, yeah. It is my favorite example. Because but you're right. It's, it's reality. Think about it as, a, as a, someone to brainstorm with. Hey, what's another word for, I use it as a thesaurus all the time. Like right, I said, right. I'm like, Normal thesauruses are great, but it comes up with just words and phrases that spark other ideas. You know, like when we had the examples of the images with headlines, those weren't headlines I lifted straight from ChatGPT. In fact, some of them were 10%, a couple of words that I saw and went, ooh, that sparks an idea. Um, so th that's, I think that's a way to think about it. But real quick on the clip art, I'll push back on that a little bit because clip art was a finite library of images. I mean, there were millions of them, but like you could use the same one as me. You could go put in the same prompt as me in the mid-journey, you wouldn't get the same image. I've used the same prompt. Sometimes I'm like, I just don't like that. I don't even like any of the variations. I'm just going to do it again. And it gives me four new variations. Mm. And I can vary those. I can tell it to vary it subtly or, you know, greatly. So on the image side, I mean, I'm a believer. I don't use it for everything. I, mean, I have a team full of designers. I'm not someone that doesn't have resources. But again, uh, the use case for me is when I have something very specific. You can art direct a photo shoot. 
Mm-hmm. And come out with stuff, and you got to watch the hands. Sometimes you'll have like you know missing digits and stuff like that. But <laughs> put some gloves on them, you know, or, or have them hold their hands behind their back. It'll get better every day. There you go. But yeah, I, I do think you know if you guys leave here with anything today, play around with Mid Journey. It's it's free to start. And then again, it's I think you might be able to go monthly. When we first signed up, we had monthly, um, and then recently we re-upped and, and did an annual because we got a little bit of a discount. It's twenty-five bucks a month. It's just over three hundred dollars, and it is like having an infinite stock library. That's my value to the var. Mid journey is like having an <laughs> infinite library of images that you can art direct. It's uh, it's awesome. There you go. Infatuated. Agree. There, there's, there's been some discussions around kind of uh, stereotyping. You know give me a doctor, give me a lawyer, and like how some of those images turn out that look very stereotypical. Um, but again, you can always go, hey, give me a doctor who is this. You know, you can specify. Um, but yeah, no, it is a good point. Oh, and, and on the 11 labs, what was the word you used? Uh, the way it emphasizes or doesn't emphasize the inflection. I noticed that too, because I did. I stole his voice from a podcast and I put a few samples in there and I had it say, hey everyone, this is Dean, the host of the Tech Connect podcast. Actually, this isn't Dean. And when it said Dean the second time, it sounded identical to the first time and it was just like totally off. I'm like, it was still pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, when it said the right. words that were from the sample, it sounded great. But then when he was saying new words, it was like, eh, it kind of sort of sounds like Dean. Yeah. All right, well, yeah, I wanted to wrap up this conversation by very quickly kind of giving us a, a, an overview of some of the other tools that are out there because I know we talk a lot about ChatGBT because they were kind of the first horse in the race and the one that most people, you know, were st- have started using and have continued to use. But I know somebody had asked, you know, coming into this session like, hey, you know, we want to know about other potential, you know, generative AI and LLMs that are out there as well. So I want to very, this chart I've got on screen here, uh, and we'll throw it up on the actual podcast feed too, um, you know, a, a kind of a, a breakdown of some of the differences between, I picked five major ones, ChatGPT, which is from OpenAI, Bard from Google, Bing Chat from Microsoft, Llama from Meta, which I had no idea that even existed until I started looking into this, oh, yeah. and Cloud from Anthropic, which was actually made by a couple of folks, I think, who used to be programmers for OpenAI. Yes. Um, so without digging too far into, you know, uh, this chart here, all of them offer some sort of a free version that you can use, and ChatGPT and Cloud have um, you know pro versions that you can pay for as well. You know, a common question people always ask about and talk about with ChatGPT is on the basic side is, well, how recently has it been trained? You know, how recent of information is actually in there? The free ChatGPT, you know, as people infamously have pointed out, was only trained up through September of 21. I believe GPT-4 though is more current now, right? Like they've, I think so. I don't know if it's up to date. It is more current. Okay. Um, but some of the other ones, like Bard, for instance, because it's built on you know, Google's mainframe and therefore connected to the actual internet, stays current. Uh, Bing Chat's been doing the same. Llama, Meta's been very, surprisingly for Meta, very shady about exactly how much it's been trained on or what, mm-hmm. what it actually knows. Imagine that. Yeah, and Cloud yeah, is shocker. up through December of 22, right. And then I've got some stuff up here about like, you know, the usability, how many chats you can do. One of the ones to point out here is cloud. What they really, you know, pride themselves on is it can process up to 70,000, 75,000 words at once. So basically you could drop a novel into it and it could summarize that novel for you and pull out information for you. Um, you know, some of the other stuff that I thought was interesting, some of the integrations. Bing Chat I thought was kind of interesting because if you use the Microsoft Edge browser, you can actually pull up an integration with Bing Chat there that'll let you like summarize web pages, articles that you might be reading as you're doing it. Plus Bing Chat actually has Dolly built into it. So you can do both the chat and the image functions Mm -hmm. in both in the same place. Uh, Llama's been offering itself up as open source. It was initially offered just to the academic world, but now it's a little bit more open source. People are starting to play there. 
And then um, I think one of the other th things I thought was interesting is Bard, which I started playing a little, a little bit more recently, it has draft options. So kind of like how you were talking about how, you know, sometimes you would do something and it's like, all right, I want to try this again and get a different result. Mm -hmm. When you do it in Bard, like if you request something in Bard, it'll give you five different drafts of an answer. They'll all be sort of the same answer, but it'll be like, hey, if you don't like this version of the answer, you've got this version of the answer you can get to, get to instead. Bing Chat kind of does something a little bit similar where you can actually ask for a certain type style of response. So you can ask for something, it'll give you an answer, but then it'll say, hey, do you want this to be a little less professional? Do you want this to be conversational? Do you want this answer to be technical? You click a button and it'll change the answer to, to make to fit one of those styles before you actually go and use it and put it out there somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, cloud is one of the only ones I came across that really says they're trying, kind of like we're talking about the enterprise version of ChatGPT. From the beginning, cloud has said they very much want to be the safe and accountable AI. So they're the one that are kind of touting themselves as, hey, we're, we're going to be safe for the folks that don't, that are scared about putting their internal information, their proprietary information and plugging it in and not having that available and open to everybody to just go out and grab and, and get a hold of, you know, company secrets. So that's kind of been their, you know, uh, kind of a raison d'etre, I guess, that they think they're much more safe. Do you guys have any thoughts on these or, you know, any, have you played with some of these other ones? Have you, you know, anything you've, that stood out to you about them? I'm actually using Bard more than I yeah. am ChatGPT at this point in time, just because uh, it's a little bit, obviously, it's more current. Right. Uh, uh, but other than that, you know, obviously used them all. I will throw out, though, that Anthropic, who does the cloud, cloud um, they've got a lot of backing, so they're not oh, yeah. going anywhere. They've got yeah. about almost a billion dollars in, uh, in backing behind them. So. There you go. Who's right. OpenAI's big funding? Is it Microsoft? I feel like I just heard this the other day. Well, I know. Microsoft put a bunch of money into them. Bing Chat is built on GPT-4, so I'm going to assume there must be some kind of relationship They're in corporate there, funding so. already, $10 billion, So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's, yeah. it's everybody's aggregating. So, anyway. I don't, know, I don't know why all of us in this room couldn't have come up with this. So, <laughs> All right. Well, it is time for us to somewhat wrap up here. Before we do that, I want to, as always, tell folks, hey, uh, if you liked what you heard up here today, if you're not already a subscriber to our podcast, please do so. You can find us on Blue Star's YouTube page. We always post our videos there. Anywhere you get podcasts, if you're an audio-only listener, look up Tech Connect Podcast. You'll find us there. We'd love to have you subscribing. We have great, fun guests on, on the show. You know, we bring in someone like Cordy to give us nice technical smarts about, the, you know, our internal stuff. Uh, fantastic guests from throughout the channel, the kind of folks that you are going to want to hear from. But to make the show successful, we got to hear from you also. That's right. Uh, we always want ideas from the people that listen to us uh, of what you want to hear about on the show. What kind of you know, topics do you want us to dive into? What industries do you want to hear more about? What technologies would you like you know, to hear us discussing? If you have a recommendation for a guest, yeah, happy to throw that stuff our know. way. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening to a podcast, whenever you go down to the show notes, there's always a link there that you can drop a, uh, a, you know, a message to us and say, hey, here's what I want to hear about. And if they do send us an idea. You get a free t-shirt. You get a free t-shirt. I'm actually wearing it under here right now. I'm not going to yeah. strip this shirt off, but I'm actually wearing my Tech Night Podcast t-shirt. <laughs> it's very comfortable. It's light. It's, it's nice. So, you know, free t-shirt just for giving us an idea. Even if we don't use it, we'll still That's send right. out a t-shirt for you. We appreciate yes. it. Yeah. You can also reach us anytime. We need to update that panel from uh, the, the Twitter bird there. Oh, to right. Yeah. X. X scroll, whatever yeah. it is now. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find us on Twitter at Tech Night Pod, which I, be honest, I haven't been updating as much as it should be because that site's becoming a bit of a trash fire. And uh, you can also email us, techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right, um, we do have a couple moments left here. Does anybody have any really burning questions they want to ask before we wrap things up? 
All right. I got a nothing, tech connecting nothing. with me real Do we quick. want to do that? Yeah. So we, we usually we end our show with our favorite segments called What's Tech Connecting With You? This is our way of kind of wrapping up with a just us chatting about something in the world of science, tech innovation we feel like talking about. So Dean, what's We'll just do what's one today. So everybody knows it. Long lost 1977 Star Wars X-Wing fighter. Do you remember oh. the, 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 the uh, in the movie where the X-Wing fighter goes down into the Death uh -huh. Star? Uh -huh. It's like the iconic, right? Well, that particular X-Wing fighter was like lost. the actual model? The actual model. They couldn't find it. But they found it. Sweet. They found it. And is it Gene Kozicki uh, who does the special effects? Anyway, it's going up on auction. What do you think the starting price of that X-Wing oh, fighter goes for? Anybody? Million? Eh. $14,400,000, which I thought was kind That's of reasonable. That's it? Right? We'll just pull not, our money together and we'll get the X-Wing fighter. Yeah. There, there you go. Bucks on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all Chat I got. ChatGBT, what's a good bid for an X-Wing fighter? All but right. If I had to own one, that would be the one. There you go. For sure. Yeah, all right. Fun. Well, that's what's Tech Connecting with us today. Thank you guys so much for being here. We appreciate having our audience. Round of applause for all of you. Appreciate having you. Uh, until next time, it is time for us to unplug. But, you know, go ask ChatGPT some questions and, um, you know, we'll... Uh, we'll come around and collect some money for our X-Wing fighter. We'll put it, in, put it in the podcast studio. Yeah. All right, everybody, stay connected. Technic Podcast is brought to you by Zebra. It's that time again, Dean. Oh, boy. No, it's not Christmas. Oh, what? Oh, well, man. maybe, depending on when you're listening to this. I don't well, know. true. Christmas Could be. Yeah. Uh, it's not Toyotathon. <laughs> is it? <laughs> is I don't it? know. I don't keep track of that. They always go on. That's, but anyway. Yeah. Well, you got me excited. Okay. What is it? What is what it? What it is, is it's time to upgrade your customers to the latest products and solutions from Zebra Technologies. Nice. Uh, so, Blue Star has done it again. We have? Should I leave that hanging there? Yeah. Like, <laughs> 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 the a anticipation. Lot of, a lot of questions for that yes, one. Yes, yes. Uh, we, okay, we, what we've done is actually a good thing here. We've come through all of your sales history for Zebra Technologies and put together a custom report that will enable you to easily find and capitalize on low-hanging fruit. Nice. Who doesn't want that in sales? It's like, like it's like we're giving you the business intelligence. Yeah, I love it. I exactly. Love it. Yeah. So your customers may be using outdated technology or unsupported operating systems mm. on devices that you originally sold them years ago. If you're not having these discussions with them about refreshing their devices and upgrading to the latest technology, well, you can bet some other company will do that. Mm -hmm. So get out in front of it while you can with our help. So what you can expect in your refresh report is a historical sales data from 2015 to 22, upgrade opportunities by converting 1D scanners to 2D imagers, 2G, 3G devices to LTE enabled, and EOL windows to Android. Uh, this report also includes expert recommendations, resources to help you with upgrade conversations, and much more. So sometimes the easiest sales you can make are the ones that you've already made. Righto. Uh, get your Zebra refresh report Report it uh, at the link in the show notes or contact the Blue Star Zebra team. Technic Podcast is also brought to you by ELO. ELO is bringing decades of touchscreen experience to the palm of your hand. Nice. With the M50 handheld mobile computer, an enterprise-grade Android device built for efficiency and connectivity. All right, let's talk some specs here. Today. All right. You know we like our specs. We like specs. Yep. Uh, even when we don't understand what happened, probably me. 5.5-inch <laughs> HD touch display. Ah, nice. Got that integrated one. Integrated 2D barcode scanner. Yep. Android 10 OS. And a rugged design for commercial use. All right. And, we it's, and it's sleek and sexy. Have you yeah. seen this thing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it's, this it's seems pretty nice. cool looking out. Yeah. Uh, the M50 is ready to integrate via EloView or the MDM of your choice seamlessly. Now, what else might you want Might, mm. might you want out of uh, a device like this? I don't know. Let's oh, see. Long battery life. Oh, yep. Yeah, Got to okay. have that. Got that. Quick charge. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Wi-Fi. 
Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, 4G communications. Got to communicate. Yeah. Got, yep, it, got all. it all. Plenty of accessories. Oh, sure. Yeah. We like modularity and there accessories. There you go. You got it all with the M50. The M50 is a bold choice for warehousing, retail, healthcare, and delivery enterprises. Check out the link in the show notes or contact Blue Star's ELO team to learn more.